just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. Yes, I took yesterday off. My wife and I took a quick road trip overnight just to get away. It's kind of nice to have arguments in different settings, you know, change it up a little bit. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We've been married so long, there's really not much to argue about anymore. But we took an overnight trip, and it wasn't uh, a situation where I could do the podcast on the road. I think I will be able to do that in the future and maybe do that. But I thought, Christ, one day, who's going to (laughs) notice? Well, let's go to the emails and find out. This one comes from Bruce. He says, hey, Mike, no podcast today? And he's got this frustrated emoji sitting there. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Bruce. Prior to yesterday, I'd done 15 straight days of podcast. How hard do you need me to work? Who else does podcast seven days a week? I don't mind doing them. And I'm kidding you, Bruce. I appreciate the fact that you're anxious to hear them, that you listen to them, and you wonder when they're gone. I appreciate it. I'm just giving you shit here, so settle down. (laughs) All right. Got a couple of other uh, emails I want to pass along. This one comes from Fred. Hey, Mike, my family and I recently did some traveling for spring break. And after some time in the car, we couldn't agree on music, so my 12-year-old son said, Hey, why don't we listen to that rational guy? I got a good chuckle, but I'm glad we did tune in because we really enjoyed the show with Ed Jones. You two complement each other perfectly and made for a great show. I look forward to future podcasts with Ed. Also, I had the misfortune of reading Rick Scott's 11-point plan. It is abhorrent, to say the least. You're fucking right about that. The amount of projection is staggering, but we all know that that's the trump game. My favorite point is number seven, fair, fraud-free elections. I can't even with this guy. Keep up the great work. Best, Fred. Thank you, Fred. I appreciate it. I have one question for you, Fred. We know how this show goes. I tend to say a swear word now and again. You really want your 12-year-old listening to this fucking show? (laughs) I'm not judging here. I mean, in my family, the F word was flying from the time I was 11. So uh, I have no room to talk. (laughs) But if it were my wife... And she heard you let your 12-year-old listen to me spout on with all the swear words. You might have a good talking to. (laughs) But you're right about uh, Rick Scott's 11-point plan. We talked about that in the previous podcast. And uh, it's ridiculous. And it's making the Republicans nervous. This whole idea of raising uh, taxes on everybody and some of the crazy shit in there. He's ahead, uh, the chairman of the... Uh, Republican Senate campaign, which means he's trying to get things put together so we can see what they do in their campaigns to go against the Democrats in the election. 
Well, Mitch McConnell is hearing some of these things. He's seen the list, and he's kind of saying, uh, yeah, that's not really the way we want to go. So I'm not so sure the 11-point plan will make it uh, during the midterms. But I hope it does, because it's so fucking crazy, and it's uh, and it's not going to help them in the elections at all. In fact, it's going to make it worse for them. So I hope they use those 11 points. That will just get many Republicans <laughs> running away. Wasn't it the Republicans always complaining about the Democrats raising taxes? And then here we have Rick Scott, chairman of the Republican Senate campaign. Yeah, we're raising taxes on fucking everybody. That'll get you elected, Rick Scott, you stupid son of a bitch. And I don't know what your son's name is, uh, Fred, but uh, sorry about the swear words. (laughs) But your dad shouldn't let you listen to this bullshit. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'll try to tone it down a little bit, but that's not really me. So um, just plug your kid's ears or something. Next up, this one comes from Rebecca. Rebecca here again. What's happened to the teacher's retirement fund that I assume Moscow Mitch invested in Russia? Is all their money gone? DeSantis in Florida also invested a shitload. Whose money was that? They're blaming Democrats. I don't know how the fuck they can blame Democrats on this one. But as she says, that's typical. Loving the podcast. Ed was great. Thank you, Rebecca. All right. I did some digging, and here's what I know about this. Now, whether any of this is true, it's hard to tell because this information comes from Republicans. But I'll let you know. This one comes from the Courier-Journal newspaper in Kentucky. Now, reports that Kentucky's pension system for teachers is one of the top shareholders in the largest Russian bank are completely false the system's lawyer said Friday. At the close of 2021, the Kentucky Teachers Retirement System was listed as the second largest institutional shareholder of Spurbank of Russia, whose stock prices now are tanking, of course, because of the sanctions um, and, of course, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Now, Bo Barnes, perfect name to come out of Kentucky, isn't it? Bo Barnes, TRS's general counsel, said Friday, TRS sold off its direct investments February 23rd, losing $3.2 million of its initial $15.6 million investment. Russia invaded Ukraine the next day. Well, isn't that convenient? <laughs> now the question is, did he really sell it off the day before the invasion? Now, they're saying it in the news story. He's quoted as saying it, but that doesn't mean they actually did it. But if they did do it, it's terribly convenient that they did it the day before the invasion. Uh, Bo Barnes goes on to say, we actually got out at a very good time because we were able to sell on the 23rd when you could still get some good value on your Spurbank shares, Barnes said. Yeah, I guess you were lucky. Barnes said the timing of the sale was a tactical decision by their external investment manager in response to the publicized threats of sanctions against Russia should it invade Ukraine. 
Okay, that's cool. You only lost $3.2 million out of the 15-6. So you're, now you're down to 12-4. Um, my question is, though, why are you investing a pension fund, a teacher's pension fund, into Russia? There aren't enough things in America to invest in or even in Japan or wherever the fuck you want to invest in. Why do you have to invest in Russia? I mean, I got to think that Russia is a little unstable given that they're an authoritarian government and they tend to violence. Why would you invest there? Okay, maybe you did pull out at the right time and that's fine. You still lost $3.2 million, but why there? That question needs to be answered. Now, from a newspaper from Florida, this is I don't know if this is the name of the paper, but this is what it said. Floracua. Folks from Florida will know better than I, but that's that's what it said on the masthead. Anyway, the three hundred million in Florida pension money is invested by the Florida retirement system in Russian owned assets. Now, here's what's interesting. Florida's Democratic Congress members repeated request for Governor Ron DeSantis to pull Florida's investments out of Russia, uh, Russian assets, finally received a response, if only via a statement issued by the Republican top spokesperson. Now, the communication from the governor announced that the administration would not move to divest $300 million in Florida pension money invested by the Florida retirement system in Russian-owned and Russian-headquartered assets and companies like uh, Norilsk, Nickel, Luke Oil, and Rosneft Oil. They're not going to do it. Now, prior to the announcement, the state's top Democrats, including Reps Kathy Castor, Sheila Sherfulis, McCormick, Val Demings, Lois Frankel, Al Lawson, Darren Soto, and Frederica Wilson wrote a letter urging the governor to prevent our state from providing resources to Russian dictator Vladimir Putin and the Russian armed forces. Two questions for Ronnie DeSantis and the uh, Florida uh, legislature and whoever else was involved. First, what I asked about uh, uh, about uh, the other investment in from Kentucky, why why Russia? Why do you have to invest in Russia? I mean, there aren't as good options in the United States. Of course, there are. There's plenty of places you can invest money, especially retirement money, and do it in a safe manner. Don't take any risks. Maybe you might be getting better rates at one time in Russia, but not anymore. All these sanctions are going to take away all your money. Then all these people that are counting on their retirements will be fucking broke because you made a bad choice. You made a corrupt choice because I have a feeling that these investments into Russia offered some kickbacks to you uh, legislators and Ron DeSantis and whoever else the fuck. The second question for Florida, though, is when you saw that there were going to be sanctions, at least Kentucky, at least from what they say, they pulled out at the last minute because they saw the writing on the wall. How come Florida didn't? 
How come Florida says, no, we're not pulling out. We're staying in. This is a good time. Now, I don't know if their investments were affected by the sanctions or not. But still, as they pointed out, why would you want to invest money with a, um, a murderer and a authoritarian leader? Why would you want to continue to give them money? I can only think that Ron DeSantis is. Well, he's a big fan of Vladimir Putin. Apparently so is Mitch McConnell and the people in Kentucky. And uh, they cut some side deals. I'm thinking these people got some extra money if they convinced their people to invest in Russia. Still, I don't understand, with all that's going on right now, why in the world would Ron DeSantis and Florida government not take $300 million of retirement money out of fucking Russia when things are falling apart. And when this clown, Vladimir Putin, is committing almost genocide in Ukraine, why wouldn't you pull it out? And then when the people ask you to pull it out, you say, no, I'm not going to do that. We need some explanations on that. Now, I don't live in Florida. My retirement fund isn't invested into Russia. But I would think you people in Florida, whether you be Democrats or Republicans, need to ask that question. And you teachers in Kentucky need to sit back and say, why was it in Russia in the fucking first place? Why did we lose $3.2 million? I don't know. There's more and more ties between the Republican Party and Russia than I could ever imagine. And what's weird is if you went back 30, 40 years, the Republicans hated Russia. Ronnie Reagan hated Russia. They thought they were the scourge of the earth. They thought they were the evil empire. Ronnie Reagan said that. But now you're buddies with them. Now you support them. Now you're sending them your retirement money. What the fuck is going on here? Somebody needs to do some explaining here because this makes no sense at all. You're supporting an authoritarian government. Uh, and I realize they're not officially called a communist state anymore. But it's just a change in name only. They're still fucking communistic, and they're a dictatorship, they're authoritarian, and there's tons of human rights violations every year in their own country, not to mention Ukraine now. But you fuckheads want to invest in that. You feel strongly about that. I don't know. Well, uh, Rebecca, hopefully that's explanation enough. That's all I've got right now. I'll look into it further and see where it stands, see if anything we hear in uh, these reports are true, because we're talking about Republicans and truth isn't really a high priority for Republicans at this point. A while back, uh, Joe Biden called Vladimir Putin a war criminal. Fox News, Donald Trump, Republicans, and even France's President Macron said that was appalling and thought it was unconscionable that Joe Biden was making that kind of statement. My God, he's president of the United States. He should not say that about another major leader. Well, after seeing the video from Bucha, 
hearing about the mass rape, torture, and murder of civilians, and seeing dead bodies in the street of Bucha and some other areas, also hearing that this is just the tip of the iceberg, the atrocities we'll see in the future will be uh, uh, horrific at best. And, And let's be honest, this is how the Russians military acts in all situations. They did it in Syria. They did it in Chechnya. They're doing it in Ukraine. These fucking people are animals. So when it's all said and done, apparently Joe Biden was right. With all their outrage, though, it's funny. Fox, Trump, and the Republicans, they are denouncing these atrocities. They're not saying, oh, that's terrible. That should not happen. We feel for the people of Ukraine. They're not saying that. No, in fact, they're still openly supporting Vladimir Putin and the Russian military. The fuck is that? Donald Trump and all Republicans have exposed themselves uh, to what they are. Now, we know that Donald Trump thinks Vladimir Putin is a best friend, a buddy. He thinks he's a genius, and he fully supports Russian invasion into Ukraine. When you look at Donald Trump, all the Republicans, they have exposed themselves as racist, misogynistic, anti-Semite, insurrectionist, treasonous traitors that sidled up with an adversarial authoritarian country and clearly support the atrocities that war criminals have wrought in Ukraine. This is who they are. If you support them, well, you are them too. You are enemies of this country. It's a very weird situation. These people supporting Vladimir Putin, the Russian military, the invasion... Uh, There are people who are now saying that um, what's going on in Ukraine and the videos we are seeing are just actors. They're movies being made that aren't true, that aren't real. This never really happened. What does that sound like? That sounds like the Holocaust deniers. We know what fucking kind of people they are. Sounds like Alex Jones and all his buddies with Sandy Hook. Oh, it never happened. It was just actors. This is what they're telling citizens in Russia. See, the big problem with Russia is they control the media. So the people in Russia only hear what the government wants them to hear. It's very similar to the situation we have in politics today in the United States. It's not information that's forced on people like Russia, but we have such divisiveness in this country. Everybody seems to get their information, get their news from a different location. Unfortunately, none of these seem to match up with one common thing, and that would be the fucking truth. These trump will watch Fox, OAN, Newsmax, what have you, They will listen to what they are told by these folks who aren't, in fact, really news organizations. They're entertainment um, 
entities, and, and what they want to do is they want to stir up concern and worry and hate and all those sorts of things. And frankly, they're doing a good job with that. And they will do that regardless of what they have to say. It could be a lie. It could be outrageous. But they don't care as long as there are more people coming to their outlets and listening and watching and participating. Now, on the other side of the coin, we have the people on the left. They are getting more of the facts. They are seeing the video. They know what's going on. It might be slanted some because it's the left side media, but at least the facts are coming to them. They have a little better chance to decide what they think. People on the right, they aren't getting it at all. The people on the right in the United States only know what they hear and they won't listen to the truth. They only listen to Fox, OAN, Newsmax, and what other Trump fucks say. This is the very same thing that's going on in Russia except there's just one news outlet. They are blatant lies constructed and delivered by the government of Russia, and this is all these people know. And frankly, there are people in Russia, citizens in Russia, that don't believe anything bad is going on in Ukraine. Now, more and more people are becoming hip to what's going on, but not enough. There's still tons of people. We told the story about one young man who was in Ukraine calling his parents in Russia, telling them all the horrific atrocities that were going on in Ukraine, and they didn't believe him. They thought their own kid was lying about this. But the fact of the matter is, is we are seeing unbelievable atrocities. We are seeing video of it. We saw it in Bucha. We're seeing it in some other areas. This is when the Russians pull out of areas and are headed over to the eastern part of Ukraine and going to focus on the Donbass and the uh, independent states there. They're doing that essentially because they're running out of supplies, they're weak, and they're not very good at fighting. Ukraine is doing a hell of a job. But as they leave these areas, these towns, these territories, what they leave in their wake is... As I say, absolutely horrific. There's talk of rape and torture. There's uh, dead bodies left in the streets. Their hands tied behind their back, bullets in their head. We haven't seen something like this since, um, well, it's akin to World War II in Germany. What the Nazis did in Germany and Poland and some other areas. We haven't seen anything like this. You know, when we heard about all the atrocities and the terrible things that happened in Germany, I think most of us thought, well, we've grown out of that. We're better than that now. But clearly we're not. In fact, in many ways, we're as bad or worse. Who knows what kind of uh, horrible scenes are left behind by these Russian pieces of shit. And that's what they are mainly because they're being led by an authoritarian piece of shit who can't admit when he got his ass whipped. Now, as much as the citizens of Russia, a large percentage of them, don't understand what's going on, you you know that the people in the government and the people in uh, the military know exactly what's happening. 
And those are the people that are going to ultimately have to decide what are we going to do with Vladimir Putin. I was talking to somebody today, and they were saying to me that, oh, they won't do anything. They, they'll just let him run roughshod, and he'll do this forever. And I find that hard to imagine. I just, I just don't. And it has nothing to do with the war crimes that they committed in Ukraine. It's about the destruction of Russia, the economic destruction, the problems and the troubles that are going on there, the embarrassment of the military, the government officials becoming sanctioned and being embarrassed and are going to have to live beyond this. It's much like the Donald Trump thing. Donald Trump is done. He's not going anywhere. He's not running for president. He's going to end up broke and uh, shamed. And uh, he'll never live the life he lives before again. And that's the same. And, and you know, like I like I've uh, talked about Ivanka, and we'll talk about Ivanka and Jared Kushner too here shortly. Um, the thing is that, um, and and we'll talk about Ivanka and Jared next. But there are people around Donald Trump and people around Vladimir Putin that may be younger, have futures, and they will have to live after Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. And uh, now they're thinking about how am I going to save myself? What am I going to do to protect myself? Clearly, these men are going down in flames, and we don't want to go down with them. So as much as some people will think that Russia will never do anything to Vladimir Putin, there's just too much going wrong in Russia. And with the possibility of war crimes and those sorts of things and the Hague and whatever, um, these people are going to be pressured to do something, to save themselves, because Vladimir Putin won't be there forever. And at this point, they're better off if he's gone sooner than later. So trust that people in Russia are seeing this. They know what trouble they're in at this point, and they're either going to have to do something with Vladimir Putin or the country as a whole will suffer for a long, long time. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back right after this. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. So Ivanka Trump testified in front of the January 6th committee yesterday. She testified for eight hours. Can you imagine spending eight hours with Ivanka Trump? <laughs> that would have to be a little annoying. Anyway, it's reported that she did not plead the fifth once. Not at all. Nor did she demand executive privilege, which is surprising. Apparently, she sat there and answered questions on her activities on January 6th. 
It was reported that she came into the Oval Office a couple of times on January 6th and pleaded with her father to stop the violence. So clearly she saw the problem here, and she was able to sit down with the January 6th committee and discuss her experiences. Now, a few days back, her husband, Jared Kushner, I think it was last Friday, sat for the January 6th committee as well. I think it was for about six hours. Afterward, a member of the committee said that he was very helpful. The question is, did Jared and Ivanka Trump throw diaper Donnie under the bus? And my guess is they did. They had to throw him under the bus if the committee was happy with what came out of it. Jared and Ivanka Trump are young. They have children. They have futures. They know better than anyone that daddy is stupid, fucking crazy, and cognitively diminished. They have no interest in going to jail. They see the writing on the wall. They uh, know what the committee knows. I mean, that's one of the things we heard when other people have testified. Jeez, they know a lot. They ask me questions that I didn't think they'd ask me about. So these people know exactly what the committee knows, at least as much as they want them to know. At this point, I have to think that Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump are scared shitless. As I said, they have lives ahead of them. They have... uh, kids. And they can see that Donald Trump is going to go down in flames. And make no mistake, he is going to go down in flames. I know people tell me, well, when's it going to happen? It's never going to happen. A lot of things are happening right now. We have a grand jury with the DOJ and Merrick Garland. Now, when you have a grand jury, you know that indictments are coming. The whole point of having a grand jury is to issue some indictments. So shit is happening. Merrick Garland hired 131 new new lawyers. He made comments about nobody is uh, going to be loose from whatever comes down with the DOJ. It's not happening as quickly as you like. I understand that. But um, it is happening, and it will happen ultimately. But people like Ivanka and Jared... I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if Ivanka herself leaked the story about her going in and pleading with her dad twice because she knows what's going to happen. Anybody near Donald Trump is going to get burned. And Ivanka and Jared have too much money, too much of a future and they don't want any part of it. To be perfectly honest, I don't think Jared and Ivanka can escape prosecution. They were too much involved. I mean, Ivanka has other problems. The whole financial situation with the inauguration, she was running that show and there's some serious problems there. So these folks have a lot hanging over their heads right now and they're trying to get off as easy as they can. So they have to give something up. They can't walk into the January 6th committee and give them nothing, especially since the January 6th committee knows all this shit. If they didn't plead the fifth, if they didn't ask for executive privilege, they had to give up some information. And they said as much with Jared Kushner. So 
did they throw Donald Trump under the bus? I don't think they had any fucking choice, to be perfectly honest with you. The January 6th committee knows what happened. They have the evidence. They confront these two with him. All they can do is answer to the best of their ability. Now, I'm not saying that they were elaborating on everything, but they had to give yes-no answers at the very least. And these January 6th committee members know what the fuck they're doing. They know what to ask, when to ask it, and how to ask it. And I'm sure they did that with Jared and Ivanka. I have to think that Donald Trump is not too happy at this point. We had heard that after Donald Trump had left the White House, after he lost, there wasn't a lot of communication between Ivanka, Jared, and Donald Trump. Now, this isn't that surprising. You know, when you sit and listen to Donald Trump and his kids, it sounds like they've been close and buddy-buddy all of their lives. The fact of the matter is, is that if you listen to Ivana Trump, the mother of these three clowns, that uh, Donald Trump wasn't involved in raising them at all. It wasn't until they got older and wanted to uh, feed at the Trump trough, get the free money, become rich because daddy is is grifting whoever the fuck he's grifting and passing it down the line to his kids. Now, the interesting thing is, we remember that uh, Eric Trump testified too, but he pled the fifth all the way through. This is going to cause him more problems than he can imagine because he's basically laying out the areas that he is guilty or believes he's guilty So those areas will be investigated, and those areas will be exploited. And those things that Eric Trump didn't want to talk about will be used against him. There's just no question about it. Now, the one thing about uh, Jared and Ivanka Trump, I don't know if they'll end up being part of the televised, um, the the, the, the televised hearings that are coming up sometime very soon, uh, this month, early next month, something like that. And that's going to turn everything upside down. As people see this on TV all day, every day for months, it's going to change opinions. It's going to enlighten people. Even the dumbest motherfuckers in the Republican Party will have to admit that this is the case, that there were wrongdoings in this whole process, because their own people will stand up and say, this is what happened. It's going to be hard for them to deny all that shit. When the televised hearings start, you're going to see um, a big change up, not only in uh, the perception of Republicans, but in the perception of Democrats. That's what the Democrats are doing here. You have to understand, everybody's worried about it taking too long. But the fact of the matter is, is we know that America, the citizens of America, forget things very quickly, especially when it comes to Donald Trump. He's done a horrific thing, and everybody's upset and outraged by it. But then he does some other horrific thing, and that's all forgotten. Now they're focused on this thing. It's like uh, everybody in the country has attention deficit problems because they can't focus on any one thing. It's just the next newest, most scandalous thing. 
this is going to be a different story. And what the House Select Committee is doing is very intelligent. Because they know that people forget this stuff, they are going to carry on these uh, uh, these uh, depositions. They're going to release information like they have. And then they're going to get the televised hearings. And these televised hearings will go through the summer, maybe up to the fall. So all this information will be whir- whirling around prior to the midterms. So people are going to be able to see this, imagine it, and keep it in their minds, keep it fresh in their minds so when it comes to the midterms, it's going to make it very difficult for Republicans to make any make any ground up. As much as the Democrats seem to be wussies about stuff, they're not stupid, and they see what's going on. They've got a whole trough of bad information for the Republicans, and they're going to let it out a bit at a time through the public hearings and through what they've done already until it culminates near the midterms. And when it culminates near the midterms, it's going to make it that much tougher for the Republicans. It doesn't happen as quickly as you like. I understand that. But just be patient. Just watch. We're already seeing some um, progress being made by the uh, Department of Justice. You know, I don't understand that everybody says, well, nothing's happening. Plenty's happening. As I said, they hired 131 new lawyers. They've got a grand jury, for Christ's sake. There's not much more they can do short of prosecuting and jailing these people. But you've got to do the process You've got to do the investigation. You've got to go to the grand jury. Then the indictments go out. Then the prosecution starts. And assuming people are found guilty, then they go to fucking jail. That's just how it works. It may not be as fast as you'd like, but um, it's happening. Don't tell me nothing's happening because shit is happening. (laughs) I keep thinking about Bruce's. Was it Bruce's? I keep thinking about that poor 12-year-old that has to listen to this shit. <laughs> to the 12-year-old, I, I just want to say this. Um, don't talk like me. It's Fred's kid. Don't talk like me. Mom will not like it. Teachers will not like it. It won't make you cool. <laughs> That's just how I've been since I've been young. But don't be like me. We could say it like this. Don't be like Mike. (laughs) No 12-year-olds need to talk like me. All right. Well, pedophile Matt Gates is once again showing off his willful ignorance. Matt Gates voted against a bill that would lower the cost of insulin. We heard about that. It did pass the House, but uh, Matty Boy did not vote for it. He apparently had a better idea. And I have that better idea right here. It came out in his newsletter last Friday. Gates told his constituents that he opposed the bill because fat people, (laughs) not big pharma, are responsible for driving up the cost of insulin. He suggests that type 2 diabetes, which is often linked to obesity, could be cured if only people would work out more. (laughs) 
and lose weight, at which point they wouldn't need insulin anymore, and the drug cost uh, would fall without the government intervention. Well, that's just fucking brilliant. Along the same vein, uh, Matt, I would suggest castrating all pedophiles so they wouldn't rape children anymore. I can get you an appointment if you like. I got a guy. He's not really a doctor, but he's effective. Fucking Matt Gates. And here's the thing. I, I do have type 2 diabetes, and I'm not in the best shape, so maybe working out would work for me. But that's not the case for everybody. In fact, there's a lot of people with type 1 diabetes. And people think that type 1 and type 2 diabetes are the same, just different levels. That's not true. They're entirely different kinds of diseases. Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease. Now, again, I'm not an expert on this. The only reason I know anything about this is because I have a niece who has type 1 diabetes and has had it since she was a young girl. And she struggles with it. She does need insulin. Now, I have type 2 diabetes. I don't take insulin. I take metformin and some other shit. Uh, But she takes insulin. And insulin is very expensive, especially if you don't have uh, insurance. Now, what you need to understand is this new bill that passed the House and hopefully will pass the Senate. My niece explained this to me. And uh, it makes sense, and it's a little troubling, too. It makes you wonder if this bill is that big a deal. She said this bill only applies to people with insurance, and it really has more to do with the copay than the actual cost of insulin. Now, some people might have copays that are 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever, but this would uh, lower it to $35, which is nice, which is good, which will help a lot of people. Not only type 2 diabetes people, but people with type 1 diabetes. I, I dare say it would be more helpful to people with type 1 diabetes than a lot of people with type 2, because a lot of type 2 people don't have to take insulin unless it's really, really bad. Type 1's a different story. But uh, um, the thing about it is, is if this bill only keeps the copay down, it does absolutely nothing for those people that can't afford health care but need insulin. That shit is still expensive. It could be like $1,000 a month. This bill is fine as a start, but we need to take this further. We need to take it a lot further. And hopefully something like Build Back Better or some of these other bills will address that situation. Now then, uh, Matt Gates had a heated argument with Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Well, that was a that was a show to see. Now, Matt Gates is suggesting the military was too focused on wokeism and not defense. You know, I'm getting tired of that word woke. Don't even really know what, what it means per se and why it was ever introduced and why people use it. It's not about wokeism. It's about treating people fairly and decently and helping out people that need to be helped. Treating people equally. Now, if that's wokeism, fuck you. We should all be woke. 
but I don't. I just don't like the term. It has a negative connotation to some people. Uh, being woke is fine, but I don't have to name it being woke in order to treat people well, fairly, equally, decently. That's what it's about. Now, Austin said to Matt Gates, uh, the fact that you are embarrassed by your country, by your military, I'm sorry for that. And Gates, of course, came back because he's sharp as a fucking whip. Gates said, oh, no, I'm embarrassed of your leadership. Matt Gates has never been in the military. He's never enlisted in anything. He doesn't know what, what's <laughs> on the show Ozark. I've said this before, and I love this line. Uh, she says, and this would go to Matt Gates too. He doesn't know. He doesn't know fuck about shit, and that's pretty much true. All uh, Matt Gates knows is about doing drugs being a pedophile, and uh, living off daddy's money. That's all Matt Gates knows, and he will be done. People are also anxious to hear what's going to happen with Matt Gates with his child sex trafficking cases and some other things. Um, Joel Greenberg, his best buddy, who's already been convicted, we've been waiting for him to be sentenced, and he keeps delaying it by saying, I got some more shit on people in Florida. People really focus on Matt Gates on that. And granted, Greenberg and Matt were best buddies, and he probably does have a lot of shit on him. But I think you're going to find that there are some other people in Florida, other politicians that are involved in this shit. And I'm hoping against hope that fucking Ron DeSantis and Marco Rubio are involved too. I think Joel Greenberg is not only throwing Matt Gates under the bus, but I think he's throwing some other people in Florida under a bus, and that is going to be great fun to watch. Now, when is something going to happen? I don't know exactly when something's going to happen, but I will tell you this. I think the final date, um, Joel Greenberg is going to be sentenced, will be early May, and uh, something with Matt Gates and these other people who may be involved should happen sometime before that or just after that. Once they've gathered all the information, then they can do what they're going to do. Granted, it's been a long time, but it'll be well worth it once we see Matt Gates in handcuffs and being dragged off to jail as he's crying, pissing, and shitting his pants, because you can guarantee that he will be. A couple of other things that are going on. This one... This shows how fucked up this country is, and I'm sorry to say it. You know, it's funny how Republicans are really interested in talking about pedophilia and trying to blame Democrats for this thing. But whenever we see something tied to pedophilia, it's always fucking Republicans. Listen to this. There's a story about the Tennessee GOP moving forward with a bill that would eliminate age requirements for marriage. Meaning, doesn't matter how old you are. You can fucking marry whoever you want at any age they want. If a guy wants to marry a 10-year-old, fuck, it's fine in Tennessee, assuming this bill passes. The bill is HB 233. It's scheduled to be heard in the House Civil Justice Committee today 
and would establish common law marriage between one man and one woman, but it does not include a minimum age requirement. Now, the current age requirement is 17 years of age with parental consent. But this new bill has no such thing. Doesn't matter. Don't need parental consent. Nothing. A 55-year-old guy can marry a 12-year-old girl. Perfectly fine if this bill passes. Now, I need to talk to Ed Jones about this. You remember Ed Jones? He was a guest on the show a little while back. He is going to be coming back with some regularity, maybe once, twice a week. And 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 I've been thinking about this and how to do it, especially since Bruce gave me shit about taking a day off. I think what I'm going to do with that, it'll be kind of a a separate show or separate segment within the show. You know what I mean? What I'm saying is I'm going to do the podcast like you're used to hearing them, and then we'll do the Ed Jones podcast too. They won't replace an existing podcast. I'll keep doing the podcast. They'll be in addition to the podcast I do. So we'll be able to have what we normally have in the podcast every day or as close to every day as I can um, because I do have a life. As much as it may hard to believe, be hard to believe, I do have a life. And uh, if I go away with my wife for a night or two, which is sometimes the case, it's a little hard, you know, after having dinner at a nice place and maybe settling down and talking with one another. It's a little hard for me to say, honey, you know, it's been great talking to you, but I got to go sit and talk into a microphone and do this podcast for an hour, hour and a half. She may not like that too much. It depends. We'll see. (laughs) I probably will be doing some podcasts from uh, other places than where I'm at now. Uh, But for now, after 15 straight days, I thought, fuck it, I'll take a day off and then we'll start back up again, which we've done. And with Ed Jones, we will uh, make additional shows. So if you've got seven shows in a week, if I do every day, and Ed does a couple, then there'll be nine shows for the week. That'll, that may work out the best. We'll see what happens. But I want to talk to Ed Jones because, as you know, if you heard on the show, he lives in fucking Tennessee. He was born and raised in Tennessee, came to Minnesota for 25 years. I worked with him for many of those years. And now in retirement, he's gone back to Tennessee. He is a liberal. He is a Democrat. He would not be for this. Uh, But he will probably have some insight into this because he's told us some of the uh, Trump lefucks down there are raging (laughs) and they are just as bad as any Trump lefucks you'll find in this country. Now, here's the thing. There is no federal legislation legislation. Uh, regarding minimum age for marriage. So there is no federal law that says somebody has to be a certain age. This is purely by choice of the state as to who can get married and what are the conditions for getting married. Now, this is where it's fucked up in my mind. Tell me if I'm wrong. Currently, child marriages are legal in 44 states. Now, what I'm assuming they mean is people under seventeen, under 18 can get married, whether it be with parental 
consent or not, I don't know. But there are 44 states that allow uh, essentially children, anybody under 18, to get married. Now, between the year 2000 and 2018, 300,000 children have been married. Question is, how many of those willingly have been married? Now, what I find ironic, if Tennessee passes this bill, I can only imagine what's going to happen. Every fucking pedophile in this country is going to move to Tennessee. And uh, if that's the case, I'm okay with that. If we can compact them in one little area, I feel bad for for Ed having to live in that state, we'll maybe have to move Ed back to Minnesota, send all the pedophiles to Tennessee, get get uh, Trump's wall from the southern border, pull that up, and put it around the state of Tennessee so they can live their lives the way they want to, and we can keep the pedophiles penned in to one fucking state. So part of me is all for this in the sense that we can get all the pedophiles together. But in the same sense, this looks like just a law allowing the abuse of children. And who's doing it? The Republicans, the ones that are screaming about pedophiles, the ones that are blaming Democrats for pedophilia. But they try to pass a law like this. It's fucking ridiculous. That's an embarrassment. Now, it's not the law yet. It's got a ways to go, but it's in the process. And uh, we can only hope that it doesn't pass. And it'll be interesting to see what Ed Jones has to say about that next time we talk. And it sounds like we probably will talk this Friday. So it would come up Friday, probably, uh, when the show would be there. Maybe Saturday, depending on when we did it, but probably Friday. One last thing before we go. Um, There was another thing that the... uh, Biden administration did, Joe Biden did. Uh, we've been, we know that the, uh, the moratorium on uh, payments for student loans was going to be up. It's been extended several times. It was going to be up as of May 1. Well, we're at, what, April 5th now, and, uh, and we're getting close to May 1. So what Joe Biden did is he extended it to August 31st. So if you were worried about having to have this plop back in your lap on May 1, it's now been extended to August 31st. Now, the question might be, why does he keep extending it? Why does he keep extending it? Well, something needs to be done with it. I think the Biden administration is going to do something with it. But the timing isn't optimal. It isn't optimal because we got other shit going on, like a war in Ukraine, like uh, some other bills that need to pass and, and, and a variety of things. He's trying to get out from underneath those things before he focuses on the uh, student loan situation. What they're going to do, I don't know. There are some people that say he needs to cancel $50,000 worth of loans for everybody. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I get a lot of kickback by this, but I don't give a fuck. Uh, First of all, I've got no dog in this fight because I don't have any loans out anymore. Neither does my wife, and my kids are paid off. I paid them off. My wife and I did. So we've got no dog in this fight. 
But I think they should cancel as much of the student loan as they can. Education has gotten way too expensive, and we've got kids uh, graduating from college with ridiculously oppressive loans. And uh, somebody will say to me, well, I don't care. I had to pay for my fucking loans. They got to pay for their loans. That's fine. But you're not looking beyond the end of your nose. I could say the same thing, but I'm smart enough to look into the future. These uh, millennials and Gen Zers and such, they are going to be the main people that are the engine to our economy as we Gen Xers and, and, and boomers get older and slowly get out of the workforce. Now, if all our millennials and Gen Zers who are the engine to our economy are all steeped in fucking debt, they aren't going to be able to do a lot of things. Say you're a Gen Xer or a boomer who has a house, who's counting on that for your retirement. I'm going to sell the house. But a Gen, a Gen Zer or a millennial can't qualify because they've got too much fucking debt. Now, all of a sudden, your house becomes less valuable. Or say you have a car lot. You want to sell new cars. But these Gen Zers and millennials can't buy cars because they've got too much debt. Because they have so much debt, they have no discretionary money. They can't fuel this economy because they're, they're stuck with all this debt. By paying off that debt, it's going to increase the economy greatly, and it's going to make these millennials and Gen Zers free to make purchases and keep the economy running. And that's important to you and me, the older people, because we need to sell houses, sell cars, sell product, keep the economy going. And if you've saddled everybody in your economy with huge debt, you're fucked in the long run. All right, we got to get going. Uh, thank you for listening to me on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Again, look for Ed Jones, uh, uh, a show with Ed Jones, maybe Friday. And uh, I hope you have a great day, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.